Hello and welcome to Running on Joy with Francesca Goodwin, the podcast that celebrates putting one foot in front of the other in whatever form that takes. This is a podcast that explores how we can live in a more connected, creative and compassionate manner for the benefit of our communities, our planet and our own mental and physical health. I'm your host, Francesca Goodwin, and every week I'll be asking a new interviewee what joy means to them. Running on Joy is ad-free, but if you enjoy the show, please do take a moment to leave a review and give feedback wherever you listen to your podcasts. You might also consider supporting the work of Running on Joy guest Dan Lawson through rubbish shoes and rerun clothing to end the cycle of wastage in the sports clothing and footwear industries. Follow at Rubbish Shoes and at Rerun.Clothing on Instagram for further information. Hello everyone, welcome to the podcast. My guest today is perhaps I think best described as a person in motion. They're an artist who paints, in my opinion, astonishing watercolours, often on top of mountains, which of course they also have to get to first. They are a filmmaker who specialises in capturing athletes, particularly trail and ultra runners, as they hurtle through simultaneously awe-inspiring and unforgiving landscapes. They're a runner themselves, um, not simply because it enables them to keep up with their subjects, who are moving pretty fast, (laughs) but also because it seems to be pretty vital to their being. However, perhaps what I find most consistent about them is that they are a storyteller, bringing the world and people around them to life in a manner that epitomises what it means to unlock the incredible paint box of our existence. I'm so excited to take a deep dive into all of the incredible things that they do. Um, So I'll now let them introduce themselves in the manner of their choosing and welcome them to Running on Joy. Thanks for having me. Yeah, this is really cool. And and, um, yeah, I um, feel like I'm in the eye of the hurricane between being a new new dad and trying to do some really cool painting things and then kind of mixing mixing all of this this wild Venn diagram of a world so it's fun to take a moment out of that <laughs> it's so nice to chat to you Max um, and I've had quite a few people with new babies on recently so you're sort of part of a part of a herd <laughs> embarking on this new journey and I've seen them um, on your Instagram feed that there's been some paintings featuring um, your new baby as well, which has been lovely. <laughs> so new, new subject matter for you. Yeah, no, it's, it's great to have a, a subject who's pretty still some of the times. Um, and it's kind of funny too. I would say for the most part, I'm almost always just painting landscapes. Like landscapes are so, so such a big part of my life but also you can mess one up and no one will really know but if you mess up like a face it's almost like offensive to the subject so people have always been one of the scariest things to paint and I've kind of avoided it because of that and uh and so it's fun to to have a little a little one who won't be able to see these paintings for years and years and years really and so they're they're a great a great way to start and they look kind of funny so if I mess up the painting it makes it look you know, the painting looks a little bit funny. No one knows. <laughs> I guess it's okay when it's your child. It's if you're doing a painting of somebody else's child and it doesn't it doesn't look like theirs and that's where the yes. problem lies, maybe. <laughs> it would know. Yeah, that could be an issue. 
seeing as this is um, audio only, can you paint in words maybe a picture of where you are right now? Yeah, yeah, well, that nice phrase. Uh, I'm here in Anchorage, Alaska, so it is kind of a ping pong ball sky day where it's sort of the whole, everything is shades of blue, and we just got a big dump of new snow, so it kind of looks like one of those negative uh, portraits of like the Endeavor or something like that, or like a, it looks like a, like a, a negative shot where everything is just white uh with a dark sky and so it's a it's a really fun time of year but we're looking forward to the light coming back for sure because the days are a pretty short year we do get light but they're pretty short and uh winter in this time is kind of you're inside a lot and you're just getting all the projects and the new things done and then and then getting outside when you can but looking forward to those long summer days Oh, that's an amazing painting for us. Thank you for sharing that, Max. And I tend to start off um, most of my conversations by just backtracking a little bit into, into people's history and to find out, you know, what brought them to, to this moment in time. So what was growing up like for you? Growing up for me was was really exciting in a lot of ways and tough in some. Um, I had an awesome childhood, just like, being kind of set loose on a lot of national parks and big open wild spaces, uh, just kind of tramping through the Adirondacks and uh, a lot of the parks in the West and just really huge big spaces. And for me, uh, the hard parts were kind of school. Um, I think a lot of people struggle with school, but for me, it was it was tough. I have dyslexia, so um, growing up, reading and writing have been really tough. Well, reading and writing are still really tough, but nobody seems to really care about it now, and spell check is much better. <laughs> but, but growing up, um, it was kind of tough, and so there's these huge, big, wide, amazing things that I was trying to, you know, share and, and experience, and then and then a big way that we do that with writing and, and reading about them was kind of off limits in a, in a lot of ways. So for me, um, a big part of my childhood was just art. I, I loved sketching. I loved um, I loved painting and watercolor and photography and everything because it was a way that I could capture these places and it you, you could actually share it just instantly. You didn't have to you didn't have to spell it right or read about it or, or kind of get you didn't have to get past the words. You just it was there and uh, and I, I wanted I wanted to dive into these giant landscapes in any way that I could. I imagine that as a child that must have felt really quite isolating that something that is so ubiquitous in the way that we communicate with words somehow was not kind of matching your experience of it and did you find kind of the visual arts was that kind of a way of escaping that do you think? Yeah it was it was definitely isolating um in the way of being kind of left behind during a race, you know, it would be as if you kind of all started together and then, and then one by one, everybody kind of just like sort of left in the distance. So that was, that was a tough thing in a lot of ways. Um, but, but visual arts definitely were this way to, to see, to see the world in a different way, but 
also to be able to kind of take a different path that that didn't have the same kind of quicksand in it that, that reading and writing and words did. Um, to this day, an email is still, it takes me like an hour to write a bad draft of an email and just kind of get it, get it going. But, um, but yeah, it's, it's amazing. It's kind of by, by one sense being hard to go for it, then, then the skills and the ingenuity of the others really come to life. And um, in so many ways, that like I'm so glad that that was a tough thing in my life because it it opened up this whole other world that is sketchbooks and photos and um and a whole new way to kind of creatively interpret a lot of those really big really big ideas that that you might feel but it's so hard to it's so hard to put down in words but but also in visuals and you talked about how art kind of changed the way that you saw the world so what did the world look like through the lens of connecting to it through painting yeah that, I mean my my grandmother is a really incredible painter um, and I remember looking through her sketchbooks and there's just something when you when you see a sketch that it it's almost like you you're in you're in that landscape mm. um, when I go running now, after years and years of sketching, when I see the sky or or the the shadows of a mountain, it almost feels like they're painted. But then when I see it, the opposite version, when I see a really good sketch and I I see kind of the the brush strokes and the blues or something like that, I can almost feel the the landscapes. And so for me, they're they're slowly blending together. It's almost like it's almost like watercolor and these outdoor spaces. Um, kind of it's like painting painting wet on wet they're they're slowly they're slowly mixing the worlds which is really fun and so a big a big hope of mine has always been to be able to kind of connect that world for other people and to to be able to kind of mix mix that that medium but also the places that inspire it because art is so well how to how to say it in words um it it feels like people see art and it's just uh, like a thing that you put on the wall of like, oh, that's fun and that, that inspires me. But the, the process of art is so much bigger and um, it would be like somebody seeing a, a race medal and saying, oh yeah, that's running. Like that is, that is what running is, is like some finisher's medal, but it's, but it's not, it's the process. It's the getting into it. It's the moving through everything. That's, that's what really, that's what really kind of brings it together. And, and art, you end up hopefully with an interesting sketch, but it's just kind of the, the participant trophy at the end of the process. That's such a nice way of putting it. And I really like that image of life almost becoming liquid in a way, and, and, and vice versa with art. It, it kind of immediately put me in mind of that sequence in um, the original, I don't know if it's in the new Mary Poppins film, but the original Mary Poppins film where they jump into the chalk painting on um, on the pavement and they, they're, in, they're in the chalk painting. <laughs> um, but then they're, they're sort of acting in it as well. And, and also the way that you described it was almost filmic as well so did painting precede film in terms of your your medium oh definitely yeah. yeah i think i mean every every toddler is an artist 
at some level. Well, maybe a couple toddlers are, are, are photographers, but I feel like I feel like we're all born artists, um, and it's just a matter of, of how quickly we can we can learn how to use a brush or just finger paints as an extension of ourself. Uh, so for me, yeah, watercolor was way early on. Uh, my grandmother's always, yeah, like I said, a really good painter, and so I, was, I had access to good watercolor. But um, but the sketches were kind of how I share things for myself. Those were like the notes for me. I would I would take notes in school that I rarely would actually look back at, but I used to actually take, you know, what was important to me, I would, I would sketch down, I'd, I'd put out. And so I, I've been doing that since maybe age six or something like that. And I think most kids do. There's just this moment in maybe um, when you're 10 or 11 when it seems like people stop becoming artists. It seems like there's this little gap where people either think they're not good enough or don't want to share. Some, something happens. There's this like there's this this awful moment where, where all the artists all the artists in people just sort of disappear and and um and then and then after that people say, Oh I'm not I'm not good at art. I can't I can't sketch, I can't paint, I can't do whatever they they used to be quite good at or really like to do. And I think a lot of the, the reason is because they paint at a, you know, the level of an 11 year old or a 12 year old or whatever they did when they stopped. And of course they did. Like if you, if you kind of stopped, that's where you, that's where you, that's where you'd start if you picked back up. Um, and so for me, I was just really lucky that when it kind of got to that point, um, that was just sort of the way I communicated it. So I didn't really have too much of a choice and, and I just had to keep on sketching and keep on kind of going. And so it's, it's, it's always been there. Um, and then only recently have, have I really started to share more of that and kind of incorporate it into, uh, kind of into, into the stories that I do share. I feel like there must be a land somewhere where all of the potential artists must live, like our other selves that somehow, paused at, at 12 or 13 or something um, when we decided that oh I'm not an artist or someone said you can't paint um, we thought well if I'm not going to be an artist therefore I can't draw um, and I've spoken in previous conversations about kind of what a the, the perception of what a runner or somebody who is in the outdoors should look like and potentially what you're saying there's there's a similar thing with what an artist should be or how you should draw and I I, I noticed that what you were talking about that kind of your your art was a way of almost making notes on the move which kind of ties in with your the the title of your Instagram is Trailbound Sketches and there's a sense that the paintings are very much kind of of the land and in the land they are bound up with the trail and the trail is bound up with them. Would you say that's a fair assessment yeah I think that's a really great way to put it it's um yeah yeah it's what's the it's like what's the point of getting outside if you're not going to be a pro runner <laughs> it just, just seems like a wild thing to say but you're right it's yeah it's, it's the same it's the same with so many of these things you know, including art and and there's you asked where you know like there's got to be a land full of our, all the potential artists. I think I think it exists. I think we're living we're living in it. The issue is all those artists are kind of hidden in in the people all around us. And the sad thing is a lot of them never see the light of day again. But 
think there's still hope, even if you're, you know, even if somebody's 70 years old and they haven't painted since they were 10, you can still do it. Like it's the, the hardest part is just starting. And, um, and I think a lot of times the trick is just finding something that you're willing to pursue, even if you fail at. So you don't need to go paint a, a landscape or a still life. You know, maybe, maybe there's something that somebody actually really cares about and is willing to paint like their own dog or, um, you know, in my case, it was trails. I I was too afraid to paint people or, um, you know, all the other stuff that you're supposed to know how to paint. But I love trails. I loved making these sketches of trails and the outdoors. And I was willing to make them even though they kind of looked janky <laughs> looking back at sketchbooks. And so it's not the best, but um, especially as an artist, when you make something... It, like it's just so critical like no one no one can be as critical as the voice inside your head and so you just need to figure out something that you're willing to that you're willing to sketch again and again to get in front of that voice that's always that's always going to be there and um it's probably the same with the outdoors with running you know if you love running you're, you'll be willing to get out even though it's brutal or maybe biking or or there's going to be something that will get you outside and it's it's kind of full of those little joys that can lead you to that like those incredible places and bring that that hidden artist or that hidden runner or that hidden person kind of back out and it sounds like that you're sort of touching on possibly a relationship that you have with the idea of failure and what? How do yeah, you know, how yeah. That's probably pretty pretty ubiquitous. I, I don't know if, if you feel that way as well, but I think there's this constant like feel of failure just hanging over um, basically everything. And uh, I think when you can find the things that you're willing to, well, when you can find the things where that that anvil of of uh, of worry can kind of move over a few inches, I think that that's worth taking note of. So when you really, in the, when I really get into a good sketch, I don't think at all about, about what if it goes wrong or, or what if this, this goes horribly. Uh, same with running too. When you're on a good run, it's the whole world kind of just floats away of that worry. And so, yeah, it's, it's definitely there, but, but it's great because it does help highlight the things that, that, uh, that shine in, in those other ways. And was that part of your attraction to watercolours as well? Because the medium itself kind of feels like it's on the run. <laughs> um, and has a propensity to sort of like, kind of even when it fails, like it's still communicating something in its movement, I guess. Yeah. Uh, I mean, watercolours are fantastic for, probably three, three main reasons. Um, one is, is they're so small. I mean, they are like, I've got a little palette here and it's just, it's just the, the size of like my palm and it has a little bit of paint there and with like a tiny bit of a brush I could cover, I could fill a sketchbook. It's just so efficient. It's like this, this tiny little Swiss army knife of, of a art, art supply and um and because of that i'm able to take it anywhere and maybe i would have gotten into like oil or or who knows like acrylic or something like that if, it, if i could have taken it running but watercolor 
it's one of these few things that you could just throw it in a pack, and um, which is important because I probably bring my sketchbook with me everywhere, and I probably make one sketch every ten outings. So there's like a ninety percent of the time it never comes out on my backpack, but that ten percent of the time I'm super glad that I do have it. Um, but also the the other great thing with watercolors is just so. Uh, like you said, it's so out of control at some level. You you have you are not painting. You are not. You you are painting with watercolor because it's almost like this other this other part of the part of the picture. You, you don't have control over it. It's it's like a conversation, um, and often a disagreement because you say, "I would love this paint to go here," and the watercolor itself is like, "No, I think we're going to cover everything in blue." Um, and so it's really hard to, to kind of, it doesn't stay where you want it. It doesn't go where you need it to. And, uh, it's this really great exercise and, and kind of the going with the flow for lack of a better word. <laughs> it does literally go the flow, doesn't it? And do you think we can, there's something to take from that, that mistakes can be beautiful or are beautiful? You have to. Yeah. yeah I mean. You have to you have to appreciate the mistakes with with watercolor because it really all kind of is one. If if everything goes where you want it to go, it will be one of the one of the more boring paintings of your life. Um, compared to running, watercolor is a bit like a single track that you don't know where it goes. Like there's there's the track track would be like oil paints or acrylic or, or pen where it's you know what you know what you're gonna get it's all kind of consistent um, yeah watercolor is like taking a random trail down some like some in some woods and, and it can be very frustrating but also it can lead to some of the most interesting things and when you want it to go right and it doesn't. Uh, sometimes it's frustrating, but usually it does lead to these really amazing mistakes or, or discoveries. And so I've been sketching for the better part of 10 years, or well, not 10 years, what, age 6 and I'm 29? That's 23 years or something like that? For 23 years, but I'm still learning tons and tons each time I do it. And then the, the times that you actually learn are when things do go wrong, which I always need to tell myself is, uh, you know, whether it's a video project or a, or a painting, when... When it goes right, you end up with a fun sketch, and that's cool. But when it goes wrong, you end up with a good lesson, and that's way more valuable in, in so many ways. But it hurts. When, when things go wrong, it's frustrating. But I'm trying to learn how to see those mistakes as, as what they actually are, which is, which is kind of a lesson in the future. And the more of those you get, the further and faster you end up going in that direction. Absolutely. It's, it's like any... DNF really in a race as well there's always always things to be learned sometimes that can be a bit more painful <laughs> if it's a result of an injury but but certainly kind of a similar concept and how do you find that because a lot of your work is about the sharing of it as well and and you spoke about the fact that that's kind of been quite a recent thing how does that how, how do you kind of tally that with kind of that slight fear of, of failure and, and sharing failure maybe and then people interacting with what you've produced in such a public way too yeah I mean they really should have have medals for DNS shouldn't they I mean it's <laughs> they like it's a 
it's those are the real lessons. You get the medal as like a, a extra prize. It's the opposite of insult to injury when you get a medal for a good race because if you know it was a good race, like that, that should be your medal. But a DNF, yeah, that's a good lesson. And um, and I think with failure in art, the the hardest part is yourself. So like I'm always going to be more critical than anyone else ever will be. When things go wrong, there's this idea in my head that you know somebody's going to like pop out of the bushes and say that's it terrible sketch and you are a waste of a person <laughs> it's just you know it's like this this like outsized idea that that if paintings go awry your world is going to end um same same with running same with all of it it's just whenever whenever something goes wrong it feels like something terrible is going to happen but but it doesn't um nobody's been anything but positive with with these paintings and i think the fear of what could go wrong is is often far 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 worse than what actually goes wrong it is just like the start of a race when you begin and the gun hasn't gone off yet and there's just this this like terror of everything that could happen and all the pain you could experience and how how bad it is and then and then you take off and you're in total control of that. You know, maybe it's going to hurt, but you're going to be the one who chooses to, to do that or not. And it's the exact same with painting. There's this huge blank white canvas or piece of paper, and it could be anything. It could be like your next masterpiece, or it could, you know, or it could, a single stroke could, could destroy it and ruin everything. But once you have that initial pen line or brush stroke or whatever it is on the sheet of paper, you're just off and running and mm -hmm. there's no, there's no real turning back. But the hardest part is that starting. And I'd say it's, it's a big enough barrier that I probably don't start 50% of the time when I want to. Um, even though I've been doing this for so long, it has never gotten easier. And I, I've never been unhappy when I'm, when I've made a painting, even though they go wrong, yes, it's almost impossible for me to to start that that process. Runs as well. Uh, I love running, but the, the doorstep mile for me is pretty long. So actually, getting out, getting out the door, getting the, the shoes on, and over that first step is also very difficult. So there, there's so many so many kind of connections between the two, but um, but what you learn from those those mistakes and you know that that failure which is never as sharp or bitter as as you think it's going to be is is so valuable and and the more the more of it you have the easier it is to get there do you think that comes possibly from those childhood experiences of worrying about getting it right with words and therefore that kind of fear of getting it right with the blank page in front of you not to psychoanalyze you at this point <laughs> no that's, that's actually a, that's a good point i think there's definitely there's a beauty in a lot of the things i do because they're so um what's the word subjective maybe there's like this you can't get them wrong necessarily I feel like I can, but there's a million ways. They're not in a track. Uh, it's yeah, it's it's more like orienteering than a than a running race because there's a there's a thousand ways that you can get to where you're going compared to 
words which have this very they've got this rhythm they've got this like they have you have to get somewhere in a certain way and um and i think i have probably been avoiding that a lot because of those words uh you can't you can't spell a painting wrong and and i like that <laughs> so i think i think it's um yeah words math uh all, all the all the real strict things in life uh, when I avoid them, I can. But that's the beauty: is that aside from those man-made things, life doesn't have many straight lines in it. It's it's full of contours and mountains, and and there is so few actual paths that that are determined. And I think watercolor and and probably trail running has taught me more about that than anything. And is that part of the message that you're looking to communicate when you do share those sketches? What are you hoping that people take from looking at your paintings? Mm. I think if I can share anything, I want to be able to kind of pin a little bit of whatever whatever that inspiration that got me over that that blank page hurdle was to the painting. Mm. Um for me, I, I do have a really hard time actually kind of getting over over the doorstep, and the only thing that can do it is this super this super big inspiration from these places, from those mountains, from just living in Alaska. The like even just the colors, of the sky here are enough to to make me want to throw a sheet of paper down and 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 make some mistakes. And if I can just fossilize a fraction of that that excitement into a painting it's a success and and if somebody can kind of see that um then that's then that's enough because being able to share those big places and that that initial inspiration and being able to kind of yeah being able to share that like that joy that that you first experience when you're out there especially as a kid that is what uh, I want to communicate to anybody through these sketches or the videos or the photos, any of it. And and the beauty is I never will. <laughs> like, I'll, maybe I'll do like a, a shadow of it, but um, but it's the trying that's the fun part. And, and that's something I'm excited to do for, for the rest of my life. Do you ever find, conversely, that sort of the the beauty of the landscape almost eclipses your ability to make a painting? Because I can imagine sometimes being in these really awe-inspiring places, it it could almost feel like, wow, it, it's, it's too much <laughs> for me to try to put down. Does it ever feel like that? Yeah, it's a little bit like if you like meet somebody famous and then you're kind of tongue tied a little bit. That's that's entirely how how it feels. Is uh, just um, you get to one of these really beautiful spots and it's it's like <laughs> it's just like oh, I I forgot what I was gonna say. Um, <laughs> and it it feels that way with paintings. Is all all have the ability and the time to make a really detailed thing and all I can manage is just like a little scratch with some colors written in of just you know really big mountain in the notes and then green to blue and then I have to come back and then kind of piece that all together later on but you're totally right the bigger the bigger and more beautiful something is often the, the less that gets painted but the, I mean 
it was landscape paint on your mind. It, it's like it stains. It stains the inside of your eyelids. You can't. You can't. Um, you can't unsee and unfeel a lot of those things once you're in there. And maybe that's where a lot of the the need to paint comes from. Is when you like experience these big wild places. It just kind of rattles around in your brain until you can get it out. And and uh, the more of those you experience, the more. <laughs> the more kind of pressure there is to be able to share some of it left a little bit out of your heart. Yeah, I guess almost like having, uh, I don't know, like a camera that's full of images and it's like it's run out of memory and you've got to, you've got to download it in order to make more space yeah, exactly. or something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, that, that's a fantastic analogy. Yeah, yeah, it's exactly like that. And, and, um, and I mean, my camera is physically on, like my phone alone is, is, very much out of space because it's just you see a beautiful sunset or like you know like that like the kid is particularly cute I can hear him making a bunch of noise out there and then you just take a million photos um each of which is cuter than the last or, or more beautiful than the last but but eventually yeah you do have to kind of figure out a way to get that out <laughs> <laughs> and it's interesting I haven't actually spoken about this before but that kind of vulnerability of of, of diving into the unknown or feeling kind of like slightly overawed by something I get that on the podcast all the time before starting a conversation and it's like I love connecting with people but there is that kind of moment of oh am I gonna goof up in front of them <laughs> like, and just come across as a complete idiot or ask the wrong questions or not present them in the way that actually you know showcases that they're this amazing person and things and actually you realize that we're all just as vulnerable as each other <laughs> and, um, and you just have yep. to get over it and plunge into into whatever comes through <laughs> but it doesn't stop being like yeah. it's both wonderful but also terrifying <laughs> yeah it's yeah figuring out whatever whatever makes you willing to take those leaps is just it's the most important thing it really is like we all have that and we're all kind of spinning around in, in the universe but uh you'll notice like occasionally that north star will come up for you and then you know that's that's the direction you go to and um it's a bit like navigating like high high brush or something like that it's you can't always see where you're going and there's like different kind of trails and meandering but if you're always kind of aim for that same thing in the distance you do end up there and and i think of the brush as all of those those doubts and those worries and like life but then there are those things that you're excited enough to kind of keep on moving toward and uh and for me that's been like watercolor and being able to kind of share and film and um and for a lot of people i think it's different but but we do we do gravitate toward those and we can't help ourselves but but knowing what you're moving toward or admitting it can be can be such a powerful thing and speaking of, of movement, um, and just to pivot um, towards that a little bit more, obviously your running goes hand in hand with your creativity. Um, so when did running come into your come into your life, and what did it what did it mean to you, and what does it mean to you? I've always ran as like a little kid. Um, I just I had too much energy. I guess people used to like give my mom books like how to deal with your problem child or something like that. <laughs> she was great. She did not. She didn't read them. Um, but I guess I was just a bit of a terror because uh, I was just so full of energy. And so for me, it was it was just so um, 
the outdoors or kind of where I'd burn that all off. I'd, you know, if we go to some some national park or something like that, and I'd just zip around for, until I was exhausted. Uh, and so, yeah, running, I've always loved, liked it, and I actually didn't even get into it as a sport until through kind of high school for me. Uh, I did a bunch of other sports, but my favorite part of those sports would be when we'd like lose a game and have to run a mile. That was the punishment. Uh, and that was my favorite part. And, and then there's kind of this realization that, oh, like there's a whole sport that is nothing but this. You can just, you can just run. <laughs> you don't have to, you don't have to do the other parts. You can just run. And, uh, and that kind of opened up a world to me. Um, but, yeah, it's always kind of been an accident. It's one of those things. It's just, it was always in my life. I would always enjoy it. I'd always move toward it. And then, um, and then I kind of just accidentally found myself there in a big way, which is, which has been really fun. It was, it was the thing that allowed me to get close to the athletes that I would film. So with, with working with like big brands like Solomon or, um, like I, I work with uh, a lot of the normal athletes right now. It's a new, a new environmental shoe company, but, if I couldn't run, you can't quite get there with the camera, but also running helped me understand the story of it all. It was really, it was really a cool, a cool thing to be able to connect to people. But then also there's that being able to actually move along with them in the same direction was just so important. Mm. And was that a sort of a natural path for you to build a career around both your art and running oh total accidents yeah no, 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 it was yeah. A, a run for there was no uh, <laughs> yeah so like the I, I think the painting side that was something that I kind of kept under wraps for a while the the running the running piece was being injured in college um I I ran for Western Washington University, and um, and I was okay. Like I, I, I got a couple decent five Ks in on the track, but I wasn't I wasn't like a star star athlete. But I would, I'd get injured all the time. I was really good at getting injured, um, and so I spent a lot of time like on the bike, biking along with the team, or um, or kind of just wandering around in the trails because those I didn't get injured on the trails, but I still wanted to be part of it. So that's why I brought the camera with me. And so I'd film along with with the the runners there and that kind of that that mix, that little that Venn diagram of running and kind of being able to keep up and then being interested in bringing a camera that just made this little tiny sliver where there's only a few people there. And um, and it really kind of gave me a gave me a whole new world to play with. And then uh, the watercolor was similar when I would do a lot of these big runs and um, something would go wrong with the camera or, or I needed to have a map or something. I, then the watercolor kind of came in there as, as just something that was that I always had, but but it was never this plan to, oh, I was going to sketch interesting watercolors and, and runs. Uh, it just sort of always happened by accident, where they just, these funny little intersections of, of these parts of my life, but now that I've seen them, you can't really un, unsee them, and I couldn't imagine doing, doing life any other way. Intersections was actually the word that was just like imprinted on my mind as you as you were saying that. And do you think you are someone that thrives at where things intersect in life? 
Yeah, I I really like I really like bringing things together when I can. Um, I'm not very good at Scrabble for for obvious reasons, but when I do play, my favorite parts are when there's like six words all kind of next to each other, and you can connect them all to one little letter or something like that. That's always what I'm looking for. And I think there's a lot of similarities in um, in in the work I do and those those kind of thoughts. Uh, I really love how when, you know, you're a runner and somebody else is a runner and you might have nothing else in common, but because of that common, you know, trail that you're on or, or kind of connection, you are able to talk with each other in a, in a much deeper way. And I think that's such an important thing in today is just the things that can bring us together and, Running, outdoors, watercolor, those are all big ones, but, um, but the combinations of those help us reach more people and, and deepen those connections. And I love the way that you, that you've kind of spoken about this journey in terms of, well, failures and, and accidents, really. And do you, do you think it would be true to say that there isn't really a bad day that you could have spent outside? Oh yeah, yeah, that's the exact same with watercolor, isn't it? Like, even the even the the quote worst day, you know, is still a great learning experience. Um, so long as you can come home from it, that's that's the other thing. Is I feel like there's this sense uh, perpetuated by a lot of filmmakers like me that the only way to really experience the outdoors is in these macho like testing yourself to the full limit and doing something kind of dangerous, but but. Even even a, a rough day or a light day or an easy day, um, those days outside are are so important. Even the ones that aren't spectacular necessarily, and uh, and a rainy, tough, brutal day can can make the rest of your 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 week just as bright. And so I think um, with watercolors and those mistakes teaching you a lot. It's it's the same with running and. Um, and probably a lot of other things that I do or that, that other people do, but I, I just love the, that something that happens on a sheet of paper or something that happens on a huge scale, like a trail across a huge mountain range, um, can have so much in common. And I guess it is that very human element about your work that makes it so easy for people to, to connect with. Um, and also why um, I imagine a, a lot of brands and people are interested in, in working with you because of that um, communication that you have. Um, and I'm wondering, like, could you describe what it's like working on a project with, say, like the, the Solomon Trail running team? What does that look like? That's a good question. It's totally dependent on kind of who you're working with. Um, some athletes have a lot of opinions about how they like themselves portrayed and some athletes kind of let you do your job and, and go and go for it. But, um, but yeah, it's, it's with filmmaking in particular, you're trying to find, you're kind of trying to carve out a story mm. and it's a little bit like taking a big block of stone that's, that's being made 
and then also carving it out. So it's, it's almost like you are simultaneously excavating the stone while trying to carve it out and, and see the sculpture underneath. Because on these big races, anything could happen. I mean, you can have an idea of what you're going to capture, whether it's like a documentary or, or kind of a short. You might have an idea of what's going to happen, but then usually if it's a 100-mile race or, or one of these super long ones, anything could happen at any step along the way and it could change everything so the 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 chaos is real in a lot of ways but what i've learned of years and years and years of doing this is that um that that is what leads to a really good story um i've often said like you know Hopefully this happens, but if, if something goes wrong, then we have an actual story on our hands. And that's kind of where the story usually begins, is, is when something goes wrong. It's a terribly boring thing when somebody says they're going to set out and do something, and they do it with no, no struggle. It's the, it's the mistakes and the, 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 the issue and the struggle that makes it interesting. And... Um, I think I spent a lot of time trying to avoid that, but even in film, that is that is really the part to key in on because without that, it's very unrelatable. But um, but everybody struggles, and I think it's a funny thing that that uh, that's what it takes to make a relatable story. And would you say your your ability to actually move efficiently through these landscapes is that? kind of what allows you to be there at those moments that the struggle is real because I mean there's lots of people doing this sort of you know using photography and film for documenting races and things but a lot of those shots are kind of you know the aid station shots the the finish line shots um but there isn't really that those kind of moments where it's the the dark night of the soul kind of time or what it really authentically feels like to to be in those landscapes sort of alone with your struggles um quite a lot of the time so do you think it's you being able to get get there as well that that makes your work unique yeah, there's a lot of there's a lot of really talented filmmakers who who do and can get out there, and I think my favorite shots are, like you said, the ones that are with the athlete. Um, and most runs just kind of feel like it's aid station shots all stitched together with a finish line shot, and that's not a race. Like it's very hard to one it's very hard to actually be there um a lot of these people are doing things that nobody else can so so it is very hard to to even spend a little bit of time with them out there but then also it's hard to be able to relate to them if you're in the comfort of of a a camper van or you know somewhere somewhere that's well lit with a lot of food and access so part of it is is definitely physically being able to get the shot but the other part of it is just knowing what they're going through um and being able to understand that and and for me that that often happened by accident a lot because i just didn't have um like a big crew, I didn't have a bunch of cars to be able to get me from one place to another, or or a bunch of different camera operators. It was just often me with a camera, and so there was no other way than to follow them to the next aid station or whatever that you know I had, um, whatever I kind of had to do. But that taught me a lot about what what they were going through, and and once again a total mistake, you know, an accident. 
accident because I didn't plan well, but that led to a much better understanding of of these athletes and what they're going through and, and kind of those those struggles and um, and I think that's what helps kind of connect the story to to other people all over the place as well. Yeah, and I guess there's a synergy between that and, and lots of things in life. I mean, I work I work as a teacher um, a lot of the time and. I think sometimes kids think that you're not really a, a person. <laughs> I think like the most effective teachers are ones who you, you come alongside people and say, look, I, I've been through this. Like I know what it's like to be a teenager or something because I've been there. Or, or if you're like curating an art exhibition and you are an artist, like you understand what making a painting is like and the, the, the struggle that goes into it and it's not just it's about the journey that gets to that finished thing and then the anxiety of sharing it and if you have been through that yourself then you can be a lot more supportive and empathetic to <laughs> to be able to do that I guess and, and that's kind of what I'm what I'm hearing it's not so much about the physically getting there it's the the also the kind of emotional connection to your to your subjects whether that be by accident because <laughs> you didn't go out with enough water and <laughs> only one flapjack for, <laughs> for an old yeah, kind of thing <laughs> it's a little too close to home yeah it's, well, it, it's just about having conversations at a lot of level I mean this is this is an actual conversation we're having by by the book but but also um everything else in our life is conversations and I don't think we always see it that way um, whether you're having uh, a physical conversation or um, a, what, you know an author to a reader, there's a conversation or a painter to to a viewer, or even having a conversation with the paint itself uh, or or the landscape. It's all just about these these little connections that these million conversations that we have every day with everything else, and um, and it can be we you have them so often. It's so important to have them that I think it's really easy to forget just how important that communication is in all of those forms, not just the textbook, not just the textbook version of the conversation, but you're right, the emotional ones, the, the, um, yeah, yeah, just a million little conversations. And, and that's, that's kind of what makes the world go round in, in a big way. And so I think being able to, to help facilitate those, whether it's through a sketch or a video or or as a teacher or or in any way is so important. And the worst that's gonna happen is you're gonna learn a lot. So it's just it's just uh, yeah, plucking up the courage to actually get to that point, make those mistakes, do the learning and then and then kinda of keep on going after that. I might use that with some of my classes. What's the worst thing that can happen, children? You're going to learn something. We're all learning things. <laughs> Basically, yeah, yeah. You will learn. I've heard that with skiing, too. Like, yeah, we've had coaches or, you know, like in, in a running race that people say, well, but, you know, you'll, you'll pass out before you'll die. <laughs> so it's kind of the same, the same deal when you're, like, pushing really hard. It's like, well, it's the worst, like, the worst that's going to happen with, with painting, too. It's like, you're going to ruin a sheet of paper. Like that's that's not too bad, um, and then you get this amazing lesson out of it too. It's it's a yeah, you really can't go wrong. The the worst thing you can do is just not start, and it's the funniest thing because that that's the easiest thing to do is just not not go on the run, not start the conversation, not say what you're thinking, not start the painting. But that's that's what I do most of my time is just not starting. 
but uh, but every time I do start, I'm happy. So in terms of starting things, you do, you mentioned just before we um we came live and recording that you've got a lot of exciting things happening at the moment, including including a new baby. Um, so what are the projects that you're currently involved with? If you if you can talk about them. Yeah, uh, yeah, definitely. The new baby is probably the most exciting. Um, but there's a, a really cool film with Normal that we're going to release really soon about a lot of the shoes that are washing up in Katmai and Alaska. So a lot of marine debris, ocean plastics show up in um, in the shores of, of Alaska all the time, where they then break apart into these little microplastics and get into everything and so we made a short little film a few years ago uh kind of about that but made a new one this summer about the shoes focusing kind of more on the shoes so that's that comes out next week which i'm really excited to share about because that's this perfect intersection of of art and and kind of an adventure all balled together to really show really show kind of that really complex environmental issue visually so that's that's been a really cool thing to kind of dive into. But then um, this year is just stacking up to be a whole, just a whole pile of some really interesting projects. Uh, and then also, I finally started to sketch every single day. So that's the other the other big thing is I I started like a Instagram subscription where I actually make a sketch, fifteen minutes, walk people through it every single day because. Uh, it keeps me accountable, but also if I can teach people one thing, it's that, you know, you can, it's just starting. That's all you have to do. And 15 minutes of sketching a day can change, can change everything. That's, that's really all it takes. So, um, it's been a challenge for me, but it's been really cool to kind of connect with a, a bigger group of people to be able to do that as well. That's really awesome. Like a, like a doorstop mile, really, but a, a doorstep. Oh, I don't know, a tabletop painting, maybe. <laughs> yeah, 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 the, the tabletop mile. Yeah, and it's, yeah, it's, I mean, what, what gets me out is, is being able to connect with, like, a running group or something like that. When when somebody else says, hey, you come into this thing, it's it's instantly yes, but, um, but it's so hard for me to get myself there. And so it's kind of been fun to finally start paying it forward and be the person who says, oh, hey, you know, here's today's painting. That's, you know, you can take 15 minutes. Let's do this. And that resonates with what you were saying about that anyone has an artist inside them. So I think that's a really nice way of connecting people to that and sharing your vulnerability as well is a really, is a really bold and courageous thing to do. Um, So, so thank you for what you're doing in terms of building a community around that. Um, I think that's, that's really cool. And is the um, normal is, um, for those that don't know, that's the um, that's the shoe um, company that Killian Jornet has set up. Am I right in thinking yeah. that? Yeah, two ends, two ends. Like the new normal is, is kind of where where that comes from, and it's uh, yeah, it's really cool. It's he, he wanted to see things done in an environmental way, and so um, worked with a bunch of really cool cool people to to make shoes that that can perform well, but also don't have to be something that ends up in a landfill or in the ocean eventually here in Alaska. So uh, they've done a really great job with that. And, um, and it's, it's new, it's fun. They're, they're making mistakes and, and learning and, and seeing, seeing kind of what it takes to, to get there. And it's been so refreshing to be part of a team that's, you know, that's willing to kind of 
jump on that new path. It's great. It's, it's like going from it's like going from somewhere where you've been running on a track your whole life to a trail for the first time, and it's it's refreshing. But um, yeah, it's really really fun. Short video coming out shortly, and and hopefully a whole year of really interesting stuff in the works as well. Oh, please do you know send me links to that because I'll be sure to to share that when it Definitely. when it comes out. That would be really cool. And it's I'm so excited because it sounds like these projects are ones that really kind of fill your cup um, in terms of where you're at at the moment. And have there been any highlights in terms of previous projects that have been really personally satisfying for you? Yeah, let's see. I think. Um... The, the marine debris film we worked on last time was, was a really big one. That was one of the first films I made after I, I filmed a Solomon forever and then I decided to come back to Alaska. I mean, it was great traveling, neat people, um, met some really amazing folks, but the more I travel, the more I realize like there's nowhere, there's nowhere like home. Mm-hmm. And, and it was one thing to paint and sketch and film these other amazing places, but there wasn't anybody doing that where I lived and highlighting all of the issues and the, and the, the wonder here, um, in the way that I thought I could. So I actually left the job that paid for plane tickets and, you know, dragged me around the world to really incredible people. I left that. And one of the first big projects I made back home was a short little five minute film about marine debris on the shores no big budget, no big cameras, just kind of a sketchbook and a small camera and a trip to one of these cleanups. And that's the film that made it into the Banff Mountain Film Festival and Kendall and all the big, all the big adventure film festivals that inspired me as a kid. So it was really, that's, that's probably one of the better examples of um, where it kind of all came together of after working for years trying to kind of make content worthy of of these places that it took like a lot of heart and a sketchbook and following following things that that mattered to me and making the film that I wish I could have seen as a kid to to kind of get to those places that's so beautiful and just proof again that kind of the most successful things are usually the ones that feel the most humble and almost you know sort of insignificant and, and like a kind of a, a little pebble in the ocean but actually it's it's the pebbles that do create the big ripples don't they really usually so yeah yeah <laughs> perfectly said I, I yeah I like that analogy I might pocket that one <laughs> <You say again. laughs> Rabbit, <yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> lots of things coming from this conversation learning <laughs> yeah yeah Make those mistakes <laughs> and you spoke there a little bit about kind of realizing that sort of lots of people were kind of doing the the same thing but no one was doing that thing back home and do you ever feel like although kind of intersectionality can be a really positive thing do you ever feel especially with kind of social media that there's almost a pressure to be doing things differently to everyone else and to be the most authentic or the, the kind of you know that kind of comparison anxiety Oh, social media can be the worst. Um, <laughs> it's, it's led to a lot of really great things, like any tool. Um, but it, it's, oh my gosh, yeah, the, the, the amount of anxiety that brings to so many lives is brutal. And um, yeah, it's, it's really easy to compare yourself, especially to some of the best in the world. It's, it's now instantly possible to be able to compare yourself to other artists who have been doing this 
for 50 years or, or um, you know, people with a ton of resources or a ton of, like, a ton of just natural talent. It's, it's great. It's a great way to kind of make yourself feel bad. But, um, but also, it can be a really great way if you can flip the switch and just be authentic to be able to reach a community you'd never be able to on your own. And so it's, um, yeah, it's a little bit like, I mean, it's like going downhill. You're going to go somewhere fast and, and it might not be the direction you want or you might trip and fall, but you will get there quickly. And that's what social media feels like is, um, is a great way. So it's, I think it's important to probably spend as much time doing the thing that authentically makes you feel good or, or focusing on creating more than you focus on looking, um, which is a, a ratio that I often struggle with on social media. But, uh, but yeah, it has, it has been a really great way. And, and I think that the most important guide that you can use is to create the content that you wish that you could see. So there's something you don't see online or on YouTube or in any social media. If you can focus your energy on creating the content that you wish that you could see there, um, you'll never go wrong. And the worst case scenario, you'll end up with some content that you enjoy seeing. <laughs> and I think that's that's uh, that's kind of what guides a lot of what I do now is is uh, you know. Within reason, I still need to pay the bills, but I, I focus mostly on creating the stuff that I wish that I that I could see either as a kid or right now. And I guess that's that your content is that holding a lens up to the world and focusing attention. And do you think there's what do you think that people could learn from that notion of paying attention? Yeah, I mean it's it's a. Uh... Paying attention definitely can be harder and harder in a, in a day and age of of just ten to twenty second attention spans. Um, actually, sitting there and looking. It's with watercolor. They say you should spend twice as much time looking as you do painting, which is always a hard thing to do. You spend most time looking at the paper, but you're supposed to spend twice as much time looking at the thing that you're capturing, and. Um, I think just paying attention helps you know actually where you're going. It helps you see that that mark in the distance that you're moving toward. And you can spend a lot of time kind of flailing around trying to get there. But, but actually paying attention, it, whether it's to where you're going on a trail or, or bigger picture, um, you really can't go wrong. And then it's making the courage to actually get there. But, um, but it all kind of starts with knowing where you're going, which, which happens when you, when you pay attention. It's putting that mark in the sand. Of, might not be the exact place that you get to, but it's, it's a way of, of focusing where you, might, where you might travel, I guess. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. And I have a few, a few final questions just to, just to round off. Um, you tell stories um as a way of life what's the best story you've been told oh that's a good question yeah uh <laughs> if i didn't have to go you'd have like several hours worth of uh, <laughs> worth of uh, examples here but um the best story i've been told i i think that that is kind of a constantly evolving thing i mean it, it's almost like it's not so much what's the best story I've been told, but like the best story I've been told 
so far. Um, and I, I just love listening and, and reading podcasts. And, or, well, yeah, I guess it's not reading, but for me, it's reading. When I, when I listen, it's kind of the same thing. Um, and so I think... I think some of some of my favorite stories are often the ones that aren't written down necessarily, but the ones that I hear on a run or or anecdotally. Um, for some reason, those are the ones that often stick with me the most. Is these little snippets of somebody's life told in between breaths, trying to go up a hill or something like that, uh, has been just so valuable. Granted, I love you know a good book and, and the great authors as well, but. It's those little, those little snippets that, that stick with me. It's again that idea of coming alongside people, isn't it? And connecting in that, in that way of between breaths and when people are at their kind of most, most raw, I guess, and not necessarily looking at a fixed thing, but looking side, looking sideways and then able to, to speak in a really kind of connected way, I guess. <laughs> Definitely. Is there anywhere that you is on your bucket list to run? Run? Um, I've been lucky enough to be able to run most of the the wildest places I could have imagined, like between the the Azores Islands or um, a lot in the Alps. Uh, it's the Grand Canyon. It's it's been a really incredible opportunity chasing a lot of these runners um, to film them. But I think the more that I learned is that I I mostly want to run where I can see the changes happening. I love a new place, but there's something really incredible about being able to be at home enough where you run and you can get to know a mountain range and you can see, you can know what spring feels like versus summer versus winter versus fall. And I think that's kind of this hidden, this hidden gem that, that I've missed while traveling so much. And so right now, uh, at home, it's, it's kind of been this really wonderful, um, opportunity to kind of be able to run through these seasons and kind of see time passing. So, yeah. I'm sure I could come up with like some wild exotic place I'd still like to go because those definitely exist. But I think uh, lately it's it's been just like the local mountains or or exploring a little bit closer to home that's really gotten me super excited. Yeah, it's really getting to know the story of a place, I guess. Really, <laughs> and just, usually so. Yeah. Just talking of wild, what is the wildest thing you've done to get a shot? Wildest thing I've done to get a shot. Um, I break a lot of cameras. I I don't believe in really really expensive cameras because I think you'll never use them how you should. So there's been a lot of times where um, you know I've gotten a great shot at the expense of the camera. The SD card survives, but the the camera didn't or the lens didn't. So they all kind of die a Viking death, but it, it works. Um, and and so there's been a few times where I've just kind of been like laying in the mud or or getting the camera real close to water. Um, ocean ocean water is pretty horrible for electronics. I've dumped a few of those, um, but but it works. You know anything for the shot, and then the the you, you string enough of those together and you get a pretty good film. But cameras to me are pretty expendable. <laughs> Swallowed by whale. Um, <laughs> 
And finally, Max, the question that I ask all of my guests is, what does joy mean to you? What does joy mean to me? That, I could, I, what does joy mean to me? I could probably give you an answer, but that seems like one of those questions I need to chew on for like, you know, a week or several decades mm. to really get a good sense of. I think joy is... I don't know. Long, long pause here. I think, like, I, I feel like I've had those moments, but I'm not sure if I could pinpoint it. It's definitely like kind of that wordless happiness, mm-hmm. um, but it's not always super fun. Sometimes it's a little bit brutal, but then it's still joy. Um, yeah, I'm not sure if I could tell you what joy is to me, but I know I've definitely found it on a sheet of paper, and I found it in the trails, and I found it um, even in, in sharing little peaks that feel like big ones. But I'm not sure if I could I could find that in actual words. I think wordless happiness is actually a really lovely turn of phrase, and probably epitomizes quite a lot of what this conversation has kind of navigated really and I just want to say thank you for for such a creative dialogue really Max and and taking us on on such a such a journey with everything that you do and I'm so excited um by the projects that are coming up for you and you're working on because as as I commented so they seem really true to you as a person and and something that will bring you personal fulfillment just as you are also bringing so much joy and connection to the communities that you're building so so thank you for that work as well and if people want to connect with you is the best place to do that on instagram can I signpost to that? Likely, yeah. Um, I'm on Trailbound Sketches on Instagram or Max Romy. I've got two accounts. Um, and then I can send over a bunch of those links as well to you for for the, the If You Go Beach a Bottle, which is that first film with the sketchbook, and then um, and then the, the, the other ones as well. Amazing. Well, I thoroughly recommend for people to, to follow you um, and take as much delight from all of your work as, as I do. Wonderful. Thanks so much for the conversation. This has been this has been awesome and I, I can't wait to a good conversation kinda of gets you thinking for, for runs on runs on runs. So I can't wait to, to actually figure out some of what I meant to say weeks down the road. <laughs> <laughs> no problem. We can do a, we can do an encore with the two hour stories that <laughs> we're gonna we go. we're gonna come up. <laughs> Thank you so much, Max. Take care. <laughs> I am so grateful to the community that is growing around the podcast and if you've enjoyed today's episode I would so appreciate if you can share it with your communities and help spread the message of support, perseverance and joy further. If you have any feedback or suggestions for future guests you can find me on Instagram at running underscore on underscore joy. I'd love to hear from you. Thanks for listening and I'll see you next time for Running on Joy.